Hey everybody, welcome back to Patriot to the Core podcast. I am Thad Forrester and thank you very much for listening. And for any those of you who have stumbled upon it, uh, please hang in there and listen. Um, I know there's a lot of podcasts to pick from, thousands. And so thank you for, for at least choosing mine, whether intentionally or accidentally. Um, before I get to the guest, Ronnie Rains, I just want to ask you to go to iTunes and please rate the podcast, preferably five stars. And also to even be so kind as to leave a review, write a review. Uh, and then with Google Play, you can you can subscribe with them as well. And uh, for those people who are non-Apple folks. So I wanted to tell you about uh, Ronnie Rains. Uh, three years ago, I was invited to go to a, a Wounded Warrior slash uh, Gold Star Family Retreat that was put on by an organization called Brothers Keepers. So uh, my whole family was invited. Um, I, I actually was the only one that went. It was for five days, and so they flew me out, and uh, we landed at an airport out there, and then they picked us up in a helicopter and, and took us directly to the ranch, uh, Granite Ranch, Texas. So it's out in kind of the middle of nowhere, um, but actually not too far from civilization. So there's, there's plenty of people not too far away. Uh, but I was, I was blown away by the hospitality and the generosity of so many people there, uh, especially by Ronnie Rains, who, who owns the ranch and who allows people to come and visit and hang out all the time. Uh, specifically, it's Wounded Warriors. And uh, I think he says that, uh, you know, one thing that he likes to hear is uh, or to see is most people that attend once, they want to come back. So he's happy about that. He's a very generous man. And it's a place where guys can just relax and uh, fellowship and meet a lot of new guys. He has guys from all branches of the military, as you'll, you'll hear him talk about, and um, various wounds and injuries from you know, the quadriplegics to um, you know, just other, other amputees and then to just to guys who are suffering from TBI and PTSD. And um, they can, they can uh, strengthen each other and... Um, they, they, I think it's really, it's really a good thing. And then Ronnie is, is kind of like a doctor as well. I mean, I think a lot of the guys really enjoy talking to him. He just lets them talk. Uh, I don't think he goes around trying to, to solve any problems. But they, uh, a lot of them feel comfortable with him. He's just a very kind of um, unassuming, quiet, elusive guy there. Uh, but he's around and he's present. So I, I uh, just uh, I thank guys. I thank God for guys like him who are so selfless and want to help our, our military and our, our, their families. And so I know there's, there's other people out there like him as well, but this is someone I wanted to highlight this week. So I'll get, I'll get Ronnie on now. All right. Well, Ronnie Rains, great to have you with me on Patriot to the core. Uh, thank you for finally making this work out. Um, I think, there's, I think you're not only are you very interesting, but you're also just a very selfless human being. And I wanted to, to talk about first is uh, just the work that you do with uh, our veterans and our wounded warriors. And uh, there's a lot about you I don't know. So I'm I, some of these questions I'm really just kind of just really asking because I don't know either, as well as our, our audience may not know. So can you just tell me, can you just tell us about what you do with uh, at Granite Ranch and maybe at other places too for our, for our military and, and, and even those that are uh, you know, injured? Well, I, uh, I started doing this work stuff at Granite Ranch. I have another small ranch down there that, uh, well, they go, they go there also because there's uh, a nice river there. 
we're able to do kayak trips. So we've had a lot of special operations guys uh, out there in good shape, so they have to get on that river. And uh, so we got a couple of really nice trips we take them on. But at Granite Ranch, the way we got started is uh, just sitting there thinking, and uh, I was volunteering for a group called Veterans Airlift Command. And one of the guys that I picked up was a uh, triple amputee. And he was telling me how that it was just terrible, you know, setting weekends in that hospital. So really, I said, you know, I'm two hours in there. I got a cool, pretty cool place out there. I've got full uh, facilities for, uh, you know, ADA compliant stuff, and power chairs, and golf carts with hand controls. So I started trying to get in with somebody, and I first tried to move, tried to move toward a project, which turned out to be a real plot. You know, they're just they're more interested in the financial end of the deal than the guys, in my opinion. So I uh, I just went into the CFI, the Center for the Intrepid, and visited some guys and I walked across the street to the Marine Annex and talked to an officer over there. I can't remember his name now. Real nice guy. And he took me around and introduced me to some of the guys. I said, you guys like to get out of this environment on the weekends? He said, oh yeah, I'm sure they would. So I wanted to buy a couple of vans, and uh, I kept them in San Antonio for a while, and I would just get somebody there, a friend or volunteer, to drive these guys out and then take them back home when they're done. Worked out pretty good, and the guys just kept coming and kept coming. And then uh, when I met some of the guys that you're familiar with, they had actually served with some of these guys. So I said, hey, uh, and the first guy was Gino. I'm pretty sure you know Gino. Uh-huh. Uh, the and uh, when I brought Gino out, Gino was a little bit camera shy, and that's fine because we don't ever allow cameras. You know, let people come interview them. You know, if they want to set that up, that's fine, but I'm not going to do that for them. You know, it's not a photo op. It's a place for them to get away. And then Gino came back, and then he worked with a few Navy SEALs, so we started getting those guys and some Green Berets and Delta guys. And of course, over we got a pretty good network all over the country that come in and. Uh, Got some next week, you know, and uh, they just happened to call. They're coming through town. I don't know if they can hang out for a couple of days. I said, sure. Uh, one of them A.J. Clark. Uh, you might know A.J. He's he's an Air Force guy, but he's one of the guys that doesn't wear a uniform. And another guy named Fish, Jerry Fishburne, I think he's real name. But he's uh, another one of those guys that was uh, it, uh, in uh, Libya. He's one of the guys that loves big guys. And these guys just come in and they just bring more and more impressive stories. And I would just like to have these guys come in. And I think I enjoy it more than they do. <laughs> well, you've got that uh, campfire that, you know, we sit around and talk and sing. And um, I, I was there in 2013 for five days and we just, it was just, we had a great time. We had uh, Donovan Chapman there with his musical skills. And uh, yeah, I met Gino and, yeah, lots lots of folks there, and several I knew, and plenty that I didn't know before then. Those those guys uh, from Australia, uh, Chris Heenan, and another guy with the, that had the throat issue. Uh, actually, he's he's a Yankee. Uh, you're talking about Josh Logan. Yeah, that's but, uh, right. That's right. The Australian is Peter Barnados. He was uh, one of the first M1 Abrams to get blown up. They ran over a 900 pound IED and killed two of his. Crew and uh, but and he survived. He's still kind of gimped up. 
but he gets around all right. And uh, I think his driver also survived that blast, and he's he's not in real good shape either. So, no, those Australians are you got to kind of tip your hat to guys come over here and fight for a country that's not even theirs. Yeah, exactly. Well, what what kind of things do y'all, or I guess what is the goal? First of all, of the, of the, having them at the ranch, and then what what kind of activities and things do y'all do there? Uh, I'm not sure if we've got a real big goal other than let guys just come and erase some of their bad memories. You know, some some places to go where they're not under any pressure to do anything other than just chill out and hang with some of their buddies. And I've asked several people what I could do to make it better, and they most of them say nothing. I mean, this is. The fact that there's not a big photo op is a big deal to them, you know, because a lot of people that do these things, part of the deal is just going to get your picture taken and a promotion for them, you know, and we still do that. You know, it's, uh, you know, we have some family people come out, you know, they bring their children. We've had, you know, we've had parents, uh, uh, lots of gold star people out, and we have unexpected guests that's come out and want to meet people. Talking about Donovan Chapman, he's playing out by the guitar, I mean, by the fire with his guitar, and another guy come up and said, do you mind if I play out there? And I said, no, I don't mind. He got played, he's really good. Anyway, it turned out to be Dave Evans, one of the founding members of ACDC. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So th- these guys just come in. We've got Tuff Hedeman, a four-time world champion bull rider. Comes out, he's, he just loves to get involved with the guy. You know, he, he was never military. He just likes to pay back and... And particularly the special operations guys, you know, they kind of think the bull riders are badasses. So, <laughs> so really like, them. and uh, he interfaces really well with them. Well, uh, you know, some of the, I know when I went, uh, first of all, you know, you, you got us out there, you flew us in right there, landed in Junction, Texas, and then you had the helicopter waiting for us. And um, you really, you really do, you take care of everybody. And, you know, we, we took helicopter rides, we, I went kayaking. Uh, we shot guns. We hunted some jackrabbits, which was the first time I'd done that, and I just a, just a, I had a, an awesome time. Um, I forgot where I was going with that though, Ronnie. Uh, do you do you have do you ever have set times where you for sure always host them, or is it just how it just spontaneously happens? It, it it's kind of what people schedule. You know, we usually do at least one a month. Sometimes we do two a month. Sometimes we'll do a month without one. But, uh, for instance, the upcoming week, I've got a, a, a triple amputee that's going to reunite with the guy that was with him when he got blown up. And, uh, these two Air Force guys are coming in and, uh, it's just coincidentally, but they, they've met each other on previous trips. So everybody gets along. And the next one after that is we have some Delta guys out of Pinehurst coming in and, uh, most of these guys were guys that I met through Gino and some of the guys up on that end. And Rob Gutierrez, you know, Rob, you, you know, Rob, he oh, yeah. worked with guys. And uh, Rob's another silent warrior that's very inspirational to me. You know, and he's, when I first met him, I thought this guy, he's probably a company clerk or something. <laughs> Could be further from the truth. I mean, he's a true warrior. You know, he just wants to come out and wash dishes and put things up. So, we have unit reunions. We have a live day celebrations. We have promotion ceremonies for some of the active duty guys. We have retreats for guys like uh, Jack Bang's group, you know, out of Fort Worth. He brings in a pretty good group. So we don't really have to have a, any special occasion. 
He used to present it to me, and uh, most of the time, I don't believe it's worthy of an event, and we do it. So. Yeah, um, I definitely, Rob was is episode number nine of Patriots of Core, and so we had a great talk, and I already knew a lot about him, but uh, if you ever get bored or ever have some downtime, listen to his episode. It was fantastic here, talking to him and hearing him you know, go into detail again about the, 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 the battle where he was afterwards he was awarded the Air Force Cross and talked about his time before when he when he you know when nine eleven happened and him out reading meters and so yeah he, he really is a, a definitely a silent warrior there. Um what do you are you affiliated are you uh with Brothers Keepers, you know, Jack Fanning's group out of Texas, out of Fort Worth. Is that something are you like a uh a sponsor or a founding member? Or? Uh, no, uh, actually, I'm not. I just support those guys. You know, we have their annual retreat. My place, we had one this year, and I, I stay in contact with Jack and try to get him down when he can. And I go see him when I'm in Fort Worth. The only ones I'm actually really hooked up with, solid, is Wounded Warrior Family Support, and they're a good charity. They're a four-star charity, and I'm on the board with them. And they spend about 82 cents out of every dollar they collect directly on a veteran. You know, they don't cook the books. And there's a, a lot of them that uh, show that their records are pretty good. But when you go looking into it, there's a lot of shaking in yeah, the bag. Yeah. Well, that's one we thing just, I wanted to clear up, too, is is I'm sure that one easily gets confused with no, Wounded Warrior just, Project. It, it, since Wounded Warrior Project has gotten into trouble, our donations have just about tripled. But we do get accused of being associated with those guys. You know, this most recent thing where they spent $24 million partying with no warriors. This is just staff. They're team building it. That's just about how much they gave veterans. When you raise $325 million and veterans get $28 million, that's not a very good ratio. No. It just takes up a lot of the air in the room, you know, and, these guys have got him a new router now, and hopefully he'll get that deal turned around and start doing some good. I mean, they're, you can't say they don't do good because they, they do spend more money than anybody else does, but it's just they take up a lot of the oxygen from the small guys. Yeah. And, uh, well, I had one of their board members on uh, as a guest. Uh, he's he's coming up on one of these episodes, and um, one thing I was going to ask him was about the criticism for Wounded Warrior Project, and he just said, well, just – Hold off on that because we have a new a new guy and he's going to go on Fox News this week and he's going to clear everything up. Or, so, so we didn't even touch that subject. But you you one thing that's impressive is you you seem to have a lot of support from the surrounding area. I mean, every day we had it seemed like uh, every meal or almost every meal of every day, people were different organizations were bringing in food, tons of it. So how, how did you get that? How did you make that happen? All I have to do is just let the word get out in town. They've got the ladies at the library. I've got another rancher down there that he always does Friday nights. Butch Gillum and Rooster McConaughey, you know, the West Texas investment guys, they'll come down on Saturday, bring their helicopter, bring steaks and potatoes for everybody. I've got another guys that come along and they'll cook breakfast. They'll bring bacon and eggs. But yeah, there's just no shortage of people that want to help. Sometimes you get more help than you want. I don't ever like to tell anybody that I don't want them to help. But there's just an outpouring of people that do want to, to contribute, you know, and uh, you can't use them all. Yeah, that's right. 
come hang out by the fire. Well, it's a good problem to have, but yes, sometimes yeah. it, it, it can make things worse if you have too many people. Um, one thing when I was there that blew me away, and it didn't only blow me away, everybody it did, including Marcus Luttrell, was the you know, the cars that you have in the museum. And we, uh, I know you support the uh, Lone Survivor Foundation, I believe. H- how many yes. cars have you donated to them? Well, I, I've donated, I believe, five cars, uh, not to him. I've only done one for him, but we just sold it. We did okay on it. We've got about $250,000. And uh, that goes to his foundation, which they have a place over at Crystal Beach, Texas. And they uh, work with PTSD guys primarily. And, uh, when you were there, you heard the trail talk, and he has really since then, you know, mellowed out a lot, you know. But you could tell he was a tortured soul when he was talking about all this stuff. And, you know, we had one of the girls there, uh, you know, he, he had known John Brown pretty well, and uh, his wife, or his widow, was there. I told him when we got there, and I guess he wasn't paying attention to it anyway, when we got ready to leave, he said, man, I didn't know she was sitting up there. Uh, probably saw from my story up a little. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Did he ever talk to Tabitha? I think he did, yes. Okay. But I, I, I did a viper for them, and I had Mickey Harris, which is a world-renowned airbrush guy, do all the artwork. And you can go to Google SEMA show, Lone Survivor Viper, and you'll see some video of it. And we did a Medal of Honor car. We just sold it up at uh, Mohican Sun. And we just recently did a Raptor for Native American veterans. And it's on tour right now. And it's being, it's a big hit amongst the Native American uh, community. And it'll wind up going to uh, the SEMA show this year in November. It's, it's at Mohican Sun right now on tour. Uh, we did two Mustangs. We actually bought the cars and donated them back, and they resold them. One of them, uh, we got a charity a little over a million bucks for that, you know. And so it's, uh, I guess, interesting. Well, I read an article, yeah, where you you paid some pretty high dollar for a car, and you just turned it right around and redonated it, and then it, and it made almost that same amount again. So yeah, it's some awesome work. Um, I remember on the Saturday we were there, we we got in those cars, and you, I guess you just like, here, let's pick your car. We're going to go for a ride. And so uh, Johnny Yellick and I were in a 66 uh, Stingray, I believe, a red one, and uh, we headed off in a line. I guess we had about 30 cars running, something like that. Yeah. And we took off to, uh, first we had to fill in, <laughs> get gas at a gas station, so uh the looks were incredible of all the people seeing that huge line of cars. It, it took a long time to get that done. And uh then well, we headed like get, get over to a place like Looking Box too and people don't ever want you to leave. They just keep sending you beers over there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, because Looking Box was it like eighty miles away? Yes, yeah, just about that. It's just the other side of Fredericksburg. Yeah, so we cruised through Fredericksburg, right downtown. And that definitely stopped, turned heads and stopped traffic because we, I don't even know if we stopped at the red lights or not. Um, that was, that was incredible. We had a great time at, uh, Luchenbach and, um, and then I think we only lost about two cars on the way back, two that, you know, broke down for some reason or another. But you were prepared for that. (laughs) Yeah, you were prepared. Yeah, we had to take a couple spare cars and a trailer to 
get a rope or broke ones in and the good ones back out on the road. Well, it was it was hot that day, and the daggum engine of that car, man, that we were in, boy, that was just just smoking. It was hot, but we had had a blast. Uh, one of the how about how about you, Ronnie? You were I only found out recently that you were you served in Vietnam. What was what was your you know why did you join the military? What branch were you in, and what did you do? Well, actually, I was uh, going to college up at Tech and didn't keep my grades up. And I got drafted. So I didn't join, and so they pretty much made me what they wanted to. But I went to I was 63 Bravo and 63 Charlie, which was a wheel vehicle mechanic and track vehicle mechanic. So I was on an M88, which is a track recovery vehicle, and it was a pretty safe place to be in Vietnam because you got four inches iron around you, and you know we were a support vehicle. We weren't a combat weapon. You know we just went in take people that didn't uh, broke down or blown up and we dragged them back out in the motor pool. And you know, I was up north a place uh, near Quay City and uh, been a long time ago. And one of the reasons that I do what I do with these guys is there wasn't a whole lot of reception for guys coming back to Vietnam. And I, I don't feel like you may owe me anything, but I do feel like we owe these kids something and uh, you can't help everybody, but you can make sure that some of them don't feel neglected. And uh, that's uh, that's part of our mission out there. Just give these guys a place to go. And, I mean, it's a shame we don't have more of the guys. We've probably had 250 wounded guys out there over the years and uh, wish we had more. Well, um, I, I interviewed another Vietnam vet, uh, episode number three, I believe. And... Um, it was Mike Dillman, and he told me uh, when he came home, the president, they played a video of the president on the, on the airplane, and he said, you know, thank you for your service. He said, I'm giving you an order to remove your uniform because the country is, is uh, in a state of division. And so he said that's one order that he wished he had never followed. Did anything like that happen when you returned? Uh, not really. I... I uh... I didn't have to come through San Francisco, and I think that's where most of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's where he came through. And uh, it was a, you know, this is a fairly conservative part of Texas out here, but even back then, you didn't really. I mean, nobody supported the war. It's like, you know, I didn't start it; I just got drafted. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you just it, it, it's easier not to talk about it and have to explain yourself all the time. But the long and short of it is, when they shoot at your buddies, you shoot back. You know, it's just real simple. Did you have any uh, any struggles adjusting to life after you got home and got out? No, I really didn't. I didn't even tell my children anything about what I did until maybe 10 years ago. Uh, but I, I just went back to work. I mean, something everybody had to do back then. You know, it, it's war is not pretty under any circumstance, but you know, we live in a town here of about 100,000 people. There's probably 21 guys in my high school, not all my class, but scattered across six or seven years that are in the cemetery next door. And uh, town, uh, high school across town has a, a, even a, a larger number than that. They have one class, they lost nine people out of it. We have two Osmond Snow Honor recipients buried here from Vietnam. There are nine from Texas, so it's not like that's a very common occurrence. 
And uh, it was just something that everybody knew you were going to get drafted if you didn't join or if you weren't in college or didn't have a kid. And I didn't fit any of those deferment qualifications. So I was A1, 1A. So were you, what was going through your mind when the, the war started and you knew the draft was going on? Were you kind of waiting, you know, anxiously? Were what was going on in your head? Well, I thought that I would probably be okay because I I was a fairly decent swimmer in high school. But you have to make those grades; it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, whenever I was drafted, I uh, was able to go to summer school and get my probation fixed, and I thought that would get me out of the draft. But uh, no, you don't understand. You have to pass twelve hours, and you pass three. <laughs> so, but I didn't take it too hard. I mean, it was, you know, everybody was having to go, so it wasn't like it was the end of the world. I did have a wife that I had to leave behind and hadn't been married that long, so it was a, an adjustment for me. But uh, I don't know, you meet some guys in the military that you just hook up with from now on. Yeah. Well, uh, how long were you, did you deploy multiple times or once? No, just once. And back then, if you got drafted, you were drafted for 24 months. And you had 24 months active reserve and 24 inactive reserve. And just luckily, the time that I got out, I got out in July of 71. I was supposed to get out in September. They were starting the all-volunteer army. And they gave you an opportunity to extend your service and get this retroactive payroll, which was pay rate, which was a pretty good raise, but I, 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 I wasn't a soldier. I wanted out. I, mean, I was a good soldier once in there, but I didn't, I wasn't my call, and I, I wanted out, and uh, so I told them that I wasn't going to extend. They said, all right, we're going to let you out early, and I said, thank you, sir. <laughs> well, how did your wife take that? Uh, she actually was kind of heartbroken. Uh, I, uh, Wound up having my, my oldest son born in Europe uh, just for I got out and because uh, she went she came over there to stay with me after I came back to Vietnam and it was uh, it was not bad duty and it's like they never got a birth ticket for the kid you know naturalized citizen like that and it just took a while to get him a birth certificate we got back but uh, we wound up getting it like Henry Kissinger signed it. <laughs> Well, what about uh, let's go backwards again um, because I, I, I what were your what was your life like growing up? Um, because I'm told that it, you 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 didn't grow up with anything. Well, we uh, I'm from Mississippi. My dad was in World War II and the Korean War, and he was a Navy guy. And uh, so about the time the Korean War got out, is when we left Mississippi, which is in the early fifties, and we came to West Texas around fifty three or four, and uh, he was uh, uh, an engineer for a radio station, and later on went to work for a television station. We, you never know you're poor when you're poor, but we were poor, we didn't really have that much, we didn't ever go without any food, but we you know, had a four boys raised up in a one-bedroom house and slept on the couch, and we, everybody did that in that area, so it wasn't like we were freaks or anything, so... After I got out of the service, I actually, it motivated me a little bit because I was a little bit of a slacker before that. So I started trying to do some things to 
excelled in life and was fortunate enough to get into a situation where I was able to make some money and we, we become very successful here and uh, it's enabled us to do some of the things that we do. I know a lot of people want to do this and can't. Well, I'm one of the fortunate ones that, that can do it and and we do it and we try to it's whatever we can do to make somebody's life a little better, we, we try to do it. And we take guys down there like Jack Fanning. Jack got hurt in a jump. We took him for the first jump. Just recently took him for the second jump since he got hurt. And I mean, it's a big deal for him. And Jack is the kind of guy that's uh, a huge help to some of the other guys that are having trouble adjusting. When you see a guy that's so down on the ground like Jack, and he's quadriplegic now, and this guy comes in, he's got his leg blown off below his knee. He thinks his life is over and he spends a little time with Jack and he figures out, my life isn't that bad. But Jack is, uh, you know, he's just a stud. Yeah, and fortunately, Jack's going to be on this on this podcast coming up in the near future. He and I are going to, we've got it arranged to talk, and so I'm looking forward to it. I saw his the, the documentary on him, The Jackrabbit, and I, I, and I saw that footage from out there at Granite Ranch and saw some familiar faces. But that really was, that was dang inspiring, watching that, that, that I don't know, 15-minute film see, or something. Did you see the video where he jumped out of the helicopter on the ranch? I think so. Yeah. If you go to the website, you can click on that and check it out. But that's pretty impressive. And the guys that jumped him, they're just true professionals. You know, it's just a heck of a deal. Yeah, well... You know, even when when I was there, um, you had some active duty combat controllers come in. I don't know if they were practicing or why 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 were they out there that day? Well, the, they actually have a training jump on my place. They do every year now. They call it LZ Wilson, named after my buddy that was killed in Vietnam, Medal of Honor recipient Alfred Mack Wilson. And uh, this year they came over with the C-17 Globemaster. Did a low pass and went up to about 15,000 feet, dropped their guys out. They landed right in there on the golf course. But, uh, yeah, look, they, they come out periodically just, to uh, hang out at the ranch. So and we also had uh, the guys up at the 26 SPS up in uh, close New Mexico. They come down about once a year. Uh, Mike Jensen just transferred to the Pentagon, but he was one of the guys that put the trip together. Some of the guys are still over there and would welcome them back anytime. Well, you definitely have a huge heart, and and really, and you do a ton, a ton for other people, Ronnie. I remember a professor in college told us, um, he said the difference between, or he said the way to be wealthy is to give back, and that's definitely what you do. Um, I speaking as a Gold Star family member, thank you for having me out there a few years ago. You didn't know me, you didn't know Mark, um, but you were gracious enough to allow me to to spend some time and eat a ton of food at your ranch. I mean, that, that was, that was some great food. We, I mean, we played, um, I don't, I don't know if you heard the story about uh, us with uh, Johnny Yellick and Ish and Johnny's parents and the, and the, um, Miss Service were all out there and they missed the pickup point and they kept going and we had to end up following the river to the, till it ended to catch <laughs> up with them. I really appreciate it. I mean, have you seen a change in maybe collectively or in certain guys that have been coming out there? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we've had some guys that, I mean, they're just almost like 
they're they suspect somebody's up to something, you know, and they come out and meet these guys, and they're just regular guys, just like they are. And they, yeah, we think we've had some guys really put your feet on the ground solidly and go on with their life. What specifically do you does it do for them? Well, I, I, I'm no expert in any sense of this, but the one thing that I kind of figured out early on is if you get a guy and put him with a couple of guys that are, have more issues than they have, you know, physical and mental issues or, you know, disabilities that are astounding, and then they just overcome that. I mean, it's like Jack is a good example. They keep coming back to him, but, I mean, he's... Uh, Goes from a instructor of special operation guys to a wheelchair in just one instant, and to maintain the kind of attitude he has with that kind of change in life, you know, when people meet him, it inspires. And I've got a few more guys uh, that are, are really, despite their disabilities, it's like they're kind of glad that it happened to them because if it had that, it would happen to their buddy. You know, it's just you just got to think, holy cow. I got the soldier. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know uh, one guy in particular that has spent some time out there told me that, um, you know, you're not only an inspiration, but you understand him and him and his, you know, the, the guys, the brothers, better than any doctor ever could. So. I had one of them tell me that he could tell me, talk to me about things he couldn't talk to his dad about. Make you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the environment is conducive for that too. It's relaxed. You know, there's, it's just, you know, you, you allow guys to do just about anything they want and then, or just sit around the campfire, which is, which is also very relaxing and, and healing too. Um, anything that you like to share in closing, maybe about working with these guys or how it's helped you or, you know, anything else, uh, Ronnie? Well, it, uh, and I've had everybody that comes down, and I get a lot of volunteers. I mean, guys will drive out of here. It's three-hour drive up there. Some will take their own uh, motorhomes or RVs because, you know, sometimes we're really pressed the room down there. We can handle about 50 guys pretty easy. When you get more than that, it really gets crowded. But every one of them, bar none, comes in and just shows their total appreciation for letting them get involved in helping the guys. Nobody ever asked or anything, uh, they always chip in, and, and it it just makes you a better person to do some things with these guys. I mean, they're just, you know, you get guys who pay their dues like this. When they come to my place, you know, a lot of them ask, "What do I need to bring?" I said, "You need to bring a toothbrush and some underwear. <laughs> That's all you need here. We got everything else covered. We got your ammo. If you don't have a weapon, we got weapons. So we'll get you around. We got you a place to lay down. We we'll get you fed." You want a cold beer? We got one of them too. No, it's uh, it, we feel selfish sometimes because we feel like we enjoy it more than they do. You know, just uh, a pleasure to be able to work with these guys. Yeah, well, you're doing a lot of great work, and um, I mean, you're bringing in so many each year, and I'm sure you're doing things that there's some ways you're healing some guys that you'll probably never know. But um, I know from several that I've talked to that. That you've really been a big, uh, a big, I, I don't know, a, a doctor for them, and and so so thank you. I think you're you're just a great American and a patriot to the core, and uh, it's it's an honor for me to 
to spend some time on your ranch and seeing what goes on there and what you do. I mean, you know, you're very, uh, yeah, you're, you seem to be a very quiet guy, at least for me. I mean, maybe some guys say, Hey, get him around the campfire drinking. He may not shut up, but I think you're, you seem to be a pretty private guy. Well, I, I am, uh, I don't, I, I would rather be the guy standing in the corner than the guy on the stage. And, uh, I, that doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Been invited on a few things that I feel uncomfortable about. You know, I just, uh, it's about the guys. It's not about me, you know, so the, the focus on what we do is for the guys that come out and it's for their healing and their enjoyment, and just getting their feet on the ground and enjoying life. Well, you're, you're kind of in a unique situation where you can help kind of larger number of people's, uh, larger numbers of people at one time, but what would you say for everybody, for the average American or, you know, many other people listening, what's the best way that uh, we can get involved and, and help, you know, show support our military? Well, uh, you know, of course, I'm, I'm a firm believer in shaking their hand and thanking them for their service. You know, and give them a pat on the back for what they do. You know, I don't care what your politics are. These guys are... They're doing the heavy lifting for us, you know, and they don't ask you if you're a Democrat or Republican. They're going to go no matter what. You know, they're, uh, they're asked to do their job. And uh, most people don't have a lot of money to give. Right out here in the old past, even tried up a little bit more, but we're forced enough to still be a little bit busy out here. And we're going to continue doing this as long as we can afford it. And, uh, we're, like I said, we're bringing in a lot of active duty guys now that are uh, special operations group, particularly that are still doing the heavy lifting. You know, read about them in a paper or anything, you know, but they're over there doing things right now. And when they come back here, we got a place for them to go hide. Don't worry about anything. Yeah, I mean, do you, what are your future plans? Is there anything different in, on the horizon, or is it is it the same old, which is the, which is yeah, good? Well, we, we are, we're changing a little bit because I'm getting some other guys uh, involved. You know, we've, we've had some really spectacular people come out. You know, we've had a guy that was uh, a survivor of the Indianapolis. He passed away last February. A guy named L.D. Cox. The folk that uh, delivered the bomb that ended the war. It got sunk. 650 guys were eating by shark, waiting on the ride. You know, they were out there five days. We had uh, Richard Cole, which is Jimmy Doolittle's co-pilot in the Tokyo Raids. But a number of World War II guys, the European Theater, uh, a couple of the Baton Death March guys, uh, some really amazing older guys, you know, and uh, I'm not sure who's impressed with who the most, the old guys with the young guys, the young guys with the old guys. I mean, it's just a, a mutual admiration. I was able to do a veteran service command and take Richard Cole up to the final reunion. And I just thought, you know, I'm not an Air Force guy. I guess they were the Army Air Corps back then. I said, but if I was, I'm going to be on a trip with this. So I asked Ish if he wanted to go. And Ish said, well, yeah, I want to go. Well, we got to hang out from shoulder to LD Talk or Dick Cole at the Air Force Museum up in I can't take no how that was that's awesome. for both of them. You know, because uh, I still see Dick Cole every now and then. If he asks about it, every time I see him. Does he live in Texas? He lives in Comfort, Texas, just out of Kerrville. Okay. He turned 101 years old. We 
last. Good grief. Yeah, they're just, they're, we're losing them quickly. Yes, yes, we are. Well, you had a lady there uh, when I was there whose brother, I think it was his, her brother, maybe her husband, had, had uh, received the Medal of Honor, and she lived her locally. Husband. Yeah. She passed away this year also, uh, about April. Uh, she's, yeah, she 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 was carrying oxygen, I believe, when, when she was there. Well, we were fortunate enough to get a school named after these two local recipients. It's called uh, Wilson Young Metal Water Middle School. And we were dedicated to full-size bust. And they're in the foyer of that school. And it's quite a thing to go look at. It's an amazing sight. So, got them decked out with their medals. Oh, yeah. They're in a big glass case. And the, uh, the children are really inspired. I mean, they've got the highest scholastic scores in the state for the city here. And their athletic program really good. So they got some really motivated children. That's good. I mean, we got to teach them. They got to learn about these heroes that's gone before them. Uh, did any of your, your kids serve in the military? No. Both mine were kind of the ages between. They're, they're both in their 40s now. So wasn't really much going on when they were military age. Yeah. I guess that's a good thing. I think the military probably did me a lot, a lot of good. I might not have ever got motivated if I had to go. <laughs> well, you're proof of the American dream. I mean, coming from from little, and uh, now you're you're um, you're very fortunate to be in a situation where you can help others. I mean, uh, freely. You, you do a lot of good. And, uh, I know. You, I think you've got several businesses, and you've got the aircraft to take people around. And um, man, what else? What else is going on with you? Well, we're uh, like I said, we're expanding our business a little bit here now that oil's down to forty two dollars, forty three dollars. So we've expanded our capabilities here. we we build gas plants, pressure vessels, uh um, got a new deer program going down at the ranch. Uh we're not gonna be we're not gonna be hunting any whitetail for two years. We've got some really nice big breeder bucks out there. Beautiful deer. But we're going to have a lot of other exotic hunting this year. And usually what I do with these wounded warriors is I bring them in, and for their first kill, I pretty much cover everything. I'll uh, take care of their mount, processing everything. And some of them I'll do the second one for. We'll <laughs> just see how when we run out of guys, I guess. But uh, <laughs> we still have a pretty good attendance out there. It's good guys. And, I don't know, it's just a really good place to come meet friends. You know, we got, you get Marines and Army guys, and Air Force guys that kind of take shots at each other when they get out there. They're all brothers. And, uh, yeah. And they come friends out there. And when they leave, they still get hooked up with each other. So it's good to get these guys hooked up with each other. I think the guy you're talking about with the, the trach, Josh Logan, he lives over in Kerrville now. He works at a gun shop over there. He comes out about once every two or three months. The door's always open to him and his family or any of the guys, really. Uh, we don't have very many people left in San Antonio right now. I think we've got one uh, Navy SEAL there and one Air Force guy. No, I'm sorry, uh, Army guy. And, uh, they're still rehabbing, and they're going to come out uh, three weeks from now when the Delta guys come out. So 
We so, had a bunch of good guys. So if somebody right now came to you and said, I want to join the military, I want to do special operations, what what would you tell them to pursue? Well, I mean, I've got guys in all the branches of special operations. <laughs> this guy here, one of my buddies, he's a Vietnam veteran, Medal of Honor recipient, guy named uh, Mike Thornton, lives up in the Dallas area. If I didn't say a Navy SEAL, he'd shoot me. Of course, Ish and Rob will shoot me if I don't say Air Force. And my Green Beret and Delta guys. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I suspect you conscious be your guide. They're all great for America. They are. We we need them all. And um, you know, I know at least from the combat controller side, they definitely they work with some of the other branches. So uh, they don't even work on their own teams. So yeah, we got to have them, and I'm grateful for them. Thanks for helping them heal, and thanks for letting me kind of be a small part of it. I I, I um. It was an honor for me to meet meet you and to meet so many other heroes there that weekend. I'm flattered to be included on this, and uh, you and your family are always welcome back out. Thank you. Thank you.